Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Daily Tech News Show is powered by me, but I couldn't do it on my own. I'd like to thank the over 4,800 other patrons who help keep this show going each day. Visit dailytechnewsshow.com slash support if you too would like to help power this show. This is the Daily Tech News for Friday, July 6, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From the shores of Lake Erie, I'm Len Peralta. And from Studio Hack 5 in Oakland, California, I'm Shannon Morse. Joining us as well as our producer, Roger Chang. Roger, how fare ye? I am faring very hot. What is the temperature where you are? It's 114. It's not above 100 where I am, which is a few miles away. Well, aren't you a lucky fellow? <laughs> I am. <laughs> 114. That's too hot. That's too that's many. A, that's a lot of hot. You should cut off a few of those cinnamon over here. We could take it. If I could, I would. I know. Uh, well, folks, today we are going to talk about the end of the API, sort of, kind of, third-party plugins, and the controversies. I feel like it might be a watershed moment happening for the Internet, but I've said that before. A lot. And one of these days, I'll be right, like a broken clock. But let's start with a few tech things you should know. Samsung says it expects Q2 operating profit of 8 trillion won with a 0.7 decline in sales and an 11% increase in profit. This is significant because it would end Samsung's streak of four straight quarters of record profits. The Galaxy S9 is estimated to be the lowest selling flagship phone for Samsung since the Galaxy S3. Sales of OLED panels later in the year could give Samsung a boost, though one of its main customers, that's Apple, is expected to shift some OLED orders to LG. The Bank of England and the Financial Conduct Authority have given banks three months to detail how they would respond if their systems failed after customers were locked out of online banking for more than a month following system upgrade failure in April. The Bank of England and FCA say senior management at banks will be held accountable for future disruption to services and that two days is an acceptable limit for disruption to service. Netflix notified users it's going to remove user reviews from its service. Netflix says that's because most of you forgot there were user reviews on the service. And uh, the number of written reviews and the page views to them has been declining. CNET reports Netflix will stop accepting new reviews on July 30th and then remove them altogether from the site sometime in mid-August. All right, let's talk a little more about the Dutch. Shannon? Yes. 
The Dutch YouTube music creator named Paul Davids says YouTube flagged one of his videos for copyright infringement, but the copyright he had apparently infringed upon was his own. David claims, quote, someone took my track, added vocals and guitar to make their own track and uploaded it to YouTube, but I got the copyright infringement notice. YouTube's content ID system is an automatic process which decides whether a video contains copyright infringement and flags content. Certain companies can claim videos if they find copyrighted material in them, regardless of whether YouTube's content ID detected it. This speaks close to home because I have had content ID takedowns for music that I have purchased, not necessarily things that I created myself, but things that I had purchased. So I know content ID is not necessarily a perfect platform. Well, and this story is funny because as David's tells it, he said, you know, I, I, I play a lot of guitar riffs of popular songs um, and that's, you know, part of my deal. Right. And some of that stuff would be copyright infringing uh, potentially. But the 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 video in question was actually taken by somebody else. He got the copyright takedown notice. He gets a hold of the other guy and says, uh, that's my song. And the other guy was like, is it okay if I just sort of keep it up? Is that cool? And he's like, well, yeah, that's not really the issue. The issue is that YouTube is telling me that I'm in the yeah. wrong here, but that's my song. Yeah. Uh, this is why Article 13 of the EU Copyright Directive needed to be sent back for debate because these systems are not good. They're not good enough to become the law that you need to use them. I've been on the same end as Shannon, where I've used public domain music that someone else had included into their content ID profiled video, and then it took me down, but I was not in the wrong. I've had it where someone sent a video to a show, posted it on YouTube so that we could get it. We put it in our show, and then our show's content ID took down the original video that he had created. Oh, no. Like It's just ridiculous. Like it, it's, it's a fair effort. I guess, but it's, it's had these problems for a long time and nobody speaks up for the fair use side of it. Friday, Sonos filed for an initial public offering of stock on the NASDAQ under the symbol Sono. The filing notes that Sonos has sold uh, 19 million products to 6.9 million households worldwide, almost three products per customer. That's interesting. Well, because that's the whole point of Sonos, right? Revenue was up 10% in 2017 for a net loss of $14.2 million. In the section on known risks, Sonos notes that Amazon can terminate the license for use of Amazon voice services with limited notice. Mm-hmm. Sonos is valued between $2.5 and $3 billion. So, yeah, I mean... Uh, Amazon obviously wrote its contracts to be uh, favorable to them, and uh, companies like Sonos have agreed to them. I don't know that this means that Amazon's going to suddenly just pull all the the voice service APIs uh, all of a sudden. And there's always that potential when you're relying on someone else's service for that to happen. It's it's the with limited notice that makes it at all unusual. But I'm sure their license deals with Google Home, when they finally agree to them, will have some sort of situation where Google can pull access. That, that's the nature of APIs. Well, and that's that's a good point that you mentioned about Google because... I have a couple of Sonos ones. I've been a Sonos customer for years. I'm in the ecosystem. I have like, you know, the the speakers are riddled around my house. And the fact that it works with Amazon's assistant is great. If that went away and there was no Google Home alternative, like what does that speaker do for me? That's, that's exactly why I bought the speaker. So the fact that 
the promise of, oh, yeah, we've got Amazon's on board, Google's, you know, up next, uh, Siri will get there eventually. That all sounded great at the time, but we haven't actually seen anything except Amazon. And if that goes away, I just have a nice speaker. And to be honest, with the older versions of Sonos' speakers, using them with Amazon's API is not that great. So for somebody like me who owns a lot of their older systems who just updated in the software for that API, it would not make a difference if they pulled out with uh, their Amazon agreement. Uh, For me, it's more just the capabilities of um, the speakers themselves and how gorgeous and amazing they sound and the ability to connect them all through the house. Um, That's what matters the most to me. But the, the connection, I can understand why it would be problematic for a lot of people if they ended up breaking up that agreement. Well, and, and also probably why Sonos is pursuing multiple agreements saying, we'll put Cortana, we'll put Siri in, whoever wants to be on, we want to do it. That way they've yeah. got multiple voice control systems without having to develop their own. MIT's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory has developed an AI called Pixel Player that can recognize the instrument in a video by, by visual recognition, but then isolate the sound that instrument produces. So, for instance, you could use this to select say, a clarinet in a video, and then Pixel Player would elevate the clarinet's volume while lowering the volume of any other instruments in the song. Pixel Player right now can identify around 20 instruments, though it has some trouble telling similar instruments apart. Maybe a little confusion amongst woodwinds, for instance. It could be helpful for audio editing uh, or detecting environmental sounds, like if it could pick out animals, like if it can pick out instruments... Conceivably, you could pick out other things uh, or vehicles or appliances or anywhere where you need a sensor that's able to notice like what is making that sound or what is going by. When I was reading this, I also thought it would be really interesting from a educational perspective, because if um, if a musician is trying to teach a class, for example, about how specific instruments change the art and change the emotional appeal of, of a song, they could easily use this to detect those different instruments and be able to uh, help a class understand why those different instruments are included in a band as opposed to just being, you know, one of the many I don't know. I think it's a really cool aspect for the educational standpoint. Shout out to the Concord Band. Hope you're listening. Over the weekend, ZDNet's Zach Whitaker reported that the U.S. Department of Homeland Security served Twitter with a subpoena for the account information of a New Zealand security researcher who goes by the name Flash Gordon. U.S. Customs Enforcement is involved as well. The AFF helped the researcher challenge the subpoena, but TechDirt now reports the challenge failed. Flash Gordon discovered and reported data breaches. Among the many he exposed was a law enforcement database that was not password protected, exposed local and state police officers and federal agents who underwent active shooter training. And that happened quite recently. Customs would be involved because the definition of export involves information. Yeah, I guess the, the database was from April 2017, but the posting was recent. Right, uh, exactly. And, and so, of course, when law enforcement personally identifiable information gets put out on the Internet, they are going to want to talk to the person who found it. Uh, and find out why. Now, one thing to know is Flash Gordon did not just disperse this on the internet. He notified the, I think it was Texas Tech, uh, where the server was, and he told journalists about it to to make it well known. Uh, but they're still going after him for some reason. 
Yeah, I don't know if, um, you know, he did tell Texas Tech, so that that would be considered responsible disclosure. Um, I'm not sure how much time he gave until he told journalists about it as well uh, after the breach was uh, found. But this could be a deterrent towards a lot of security professionals that do do responsible disclosure as a part of their profession, uh, because if they find that a lot of federal agents are going after them for you know, finding these kind of things out of embarrassment, maybe, then it could cause us from finding these breaches in the future. Yeah. And recently, the Department of Justice at the United States has been going after uh, people for espionage charges that ended up being flimsy and fell apart. So a lot of people Mm -hmm. are saying, here's another example. This isn't exactly the same thing. There's not an espionage charge. There's a customs charge, Mm -hmm. which has to do with the fact that information was transferred outside the U.S. borders. Now, For a customs export violation to happen, someone has to export it. It, it's 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 a weird way to apply it to say someone obtained it themselves. Uh, the person in New Zealand, Flash Gordon, didn't export it. He he only imported it. But who exported it? Like there isn't a person. So it's where export import law starts to fall apart in relation to information services. Uh, and and most people feel like this is meant to scare him into silence. Mm-hmm. I think it's because a it involves law enforcement officials and b he went to journalists. Uh, if he had only disclosed privately they wouldn't be going after him. But because right. he went to journalists, either they didn't like that, it got got their you know back up, uh, and so they want to teach him a lesson, or they want to know what journalists he told because they want to know how far this information spread, which would be reasonable, probably both. Yeah, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. Well, if robots scared you, this you'll love this story. Scientists at MIT have developed a robot called Cheetah 3 that can run and jump and climb stairs with obstacles, all without using visual sensors. An algorithm helps the robot decide what to do when it encounters an obstacle, and then another algorithm determines how much force to use in each action. We have cat robots. <laughs> this thing is amazing. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed when they were hitting it with a stick, and every single time <laughs> I see a crew of students, for example, doing this to a robot, I think this is why robot overlords are going to end up taking over the planet because they're going to be enraged that we kept on poking them with sticks. That's the uh, quote of the day right there. I thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> when they were hitting it with sticks. What, what they're sh- trying to show, and the same was true with Big Dog uh, from Boston Dynamics, is it can retain its equilibrium. It can recover right. from these sorts of forces, but it does look horrible <laughs> when they do it. Uh, and And it's blind. If that didn't come through to you, there are no vision sensors. It's able to go upstairs, jump, get over obstacles merely by feeling its way around, so to speak, which is which is a huge advance in the artificial intelligence part of this, that it can learn to do that. It's pretty amazing to watch. Um, God, I just I'm amazed at how how much these students are learning from being able to develop these platforms. It's incredible. Yeah. And and this one's less scary than the Boston. The Boston Dynamics robots always seem to be really large and and frightening. This well, one- and you're, t- you're, you're referring to the last one that could open the door and like help his friend through, yeah. right? You know, where everyone was like, okay, now we've really gotten to a weird, <laughs> weird spot here. But but that's I mean, that's the idea. The idea is that, you know, it's not just like, a, you know, a robot that can, you know, go forward and backward and, you know, maybe jump and 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 is confusing were confused rather this is just another 
example of how it can mimic not just humans, but animals. And I think that's a really cool distinction. It's like robots don't have to be humans that are, you know, like humans, but they're just robots. They can be anything as long as we understand how to program them effectively. Folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to Daily Tech Headlines at dailytechheadlines.com. All right. Earlier this week, the Wall Street Journal reported that some third-party developers have access to users' Gmail messages. (gasps) It's Cambridge Analytica all over again. Or is it... Uh, CRM apps that want to manage your contacts. Uh, Often people give access to their email and sometimes those people use Gmail. Uh, Trip planners oftentimes want to be able to look at your email to find your itineraries and automatically import them. Third-party email clients, for goodness sake, Thunderbird gets access to your Gmail and scans it. Uh, because it's an email client and you need it to if you want to use it. So some of this is a little bit out of out of uh, hand, although there were some cases where they were use scanning the emails in order to train them on machine learning. There were some cases where there were hand sorting through emails in order to provide services. And Suzanne Frey, the director of the company's security trust and privacy division for Google Cloud, said, look, before... A published non-Google app can access your Gmail messages. It goes through a multi-step review process. That includes automated and manual review of the developer, assessment of the app's privacy policy and homepage, privacy policy and homepage to ensure it's a legitimate app, and in-app testing to ensure the app works as it says it does. They don't just open the door to anybody. Also, when you give these third-party apps access to Gmail, you see what permissions you're giving to them before you say okay. And security checkup from Google lets you go in and see what devices have logged into your account and which apps have access to Gmail with what permissions if you want to double check. So I'll be honest, this feels like something that a few years ago would be like, well, yeah, if you want to use the CRM, you got to give it access to your Gmail. That's just the way it works. If you want to use an email client, uh, it's got to get your email because it's an email client. I think this is an example of of a sea change in the way we deal with the internet. Uh, When the internet was a subculture, we, the members of that subculture, accepted that it was our responsibility to decide what apps to install and what permissions to give them. And it was only bad if an app did something that you didn't know it was going to do. And that's not what's going on here. As we move into the mainstream, though, new users of the internet expect the platform to take responsibility for what they offer and for the risks. Platforms are expected to put up safety ropes, basically, to stop users from accidentally endangering their data. Russell Brandom at The Verge uh, was writing about this and said, leaving the door open for third-party developers has done real damage to Facebook and now possibly to Gmail as well. As big tech companies take on more responsibility for their products, they'll have to either clean up those ecosystems or shut them down. Uh, This is a big difference in the way software is delivered by these types of companies. I can actually give you a perfect example that goes quite along with your perspective of how the culture is changing right now. Last year, over a year ago, uh, Unroll.me is this third-party API that would go through your Gmail and read, uh, kind of scan through and find anything that you could unsubscribe from. And it would update you and say, like, hey, do you want to unsubscribe from all these, like, magazine subscriptions or sales subscriptions, whatever you have? And you just check through it, click OK, and it unrolls you from those subscriptions automatically, which makes 
unsubscribing things really, really nice and easy. But unfortunately, Unroll.me was selling anonymized user data from emails that they were reading about uh, receipts from Lyft and Uber, they were selling that data to Uber so that Uber could compete with Lyft a lot better. Now, of course, Lyft also has their own um, kind of data aggregation that they do as well. But this one was really, really big because it was unroll.me and they were able to read your email as it was. But at the time, last year, we all saw backlash towards unroll.me. We did not see that backlash towards Gmail. We also saw a lot of backlash towards the users. And a lot of people were like, oh, well, the users should have known. You shouldn't be using that third-party platform. There was no point in time that we saw people get angry at Gmail for allowing this third-party API to use your emails to be able to sell this data to Uber. So it was it's a very big difference from what we're currently seeing nowadays. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. And it's kind of surprising. Sarah, you look a little skeptical. (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 I'm, 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 I just actually, okay, so this is the perfect example. So I use TweetBot, which is the third party mm-hmm. Twitter client. I've used it for years. I like it better. It has a Mac app. It has an iOS app. I pay for everything. All good. Um, there was a new version. I think it's like TweetBot 3 for Mac that rolled out recently. And it's, it's not a free update because they're like, hey, we're building it from the ground up. And, you know, there's all these great reasons that it's wonderful and, you know, all the good stuff. And I, I like the company, so I always support it. But in the last update, as I was saying, like, yes, I will pay $10 for this app. It was like, 
just saying now, the Twitter API is going away in September. We think we're okay, but we're not really sure. You know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it was yeah. one of those things where it's like, okay, well, this is a company that I like to support. I've been supporting it for years, but they're at the mercy of what Twitter's doing. And it doesn't matter how good that product is. And I don't believe they're doing anything nefarious. It's just a third-party product. No, it's a great example, though, because it used to be like Twitter's pulling back their API. How selfish of them to not want to to, to foster these products that they allowed to flourish in their ecosystem and hoard all the data for themselves. That used to be the... Now it's, oh, well, that's understandable because in this day and age, Twitter doesn't want too many third parties accessing that data because it could get in trouble like Facebook did. Like, it's a total change. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And it's sort of like, okay, for a company like, you know, the Tapbots, which, uh, which makes Tweetbot and some other products, it's like, okay, I don't think anybody is saying, well, we think that they're going to do something really weird with this data. It's more of like, well, you're not our company. Yeah. You're a third party company and we don't really care about you, but we don't want to alienate people too much. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what, you know, how do you, uh, you know, uh, cautiously a, yeah. step into, yeah, that new, that new world? It's just a general policy. It's not that we distrust you. It's that it's just risky for us to have anything out there these days. So, yeah. Hey, uh, we know a lot of folks in our audience uh, responsibly use third party. And you're from the olden days where you, you were part of the internet subculture I was talking about earlier. So Shannon, you've got some tips for how to deal with these third party apps and plugins. Yeah, I do. I have a couple of different tips just based on what I've seen as far as, you know, different um, vulnerabilities that have been announced in different news articles that have come out about um, privacy and security issues that we've seen with third party plugins, extensions, APIs and apps. Um, So, of course, we are supposed to read what those different plugins have uh, permissions to be able to do and to be able to access. And unfortunately, a lot of times it's somewhat vague. Like, for example, there was one my sister wanted me to vote for a photo of her daughter, my niece on Facebook, on some kind of Facebook app. And it said, this app will have access to your profile. And it didn't say anything else. It was incredibly vague. So of course I was just like, I don't know what that means, but I decided to turn it off. So it didn't have access to that profile information. So step one, of course, is, you know, take your time when you're approving those applications, read all the info on the page. And if there is some kind of link that says permission or access, click on it and edit them because lots of times you are able to edit them, especially on Facebook and Gmail uh, and make sure to save out that information too. And then step two is if you are already signed up and you're panicking because you've already signed up and you never looked at the permissions that were allowed for that application, you can totally go back into your settings. Uh, All of the popular social networks do have the option to go into your settings and revoke access to those third-party applications. And it's usually called something like permissions. uh, It could be access plugins or applications, any of those depending. So you just go in there, revoke the access, and then save out your data too. Um, One of the important things to mention too with these third-party applications is Even if you change your password on Gmail or you change your password on Facebook, it does not revoke access to those third-party extensions. So those can still use the data from your Gmail, from your Facebook, even though you change the password. So that means if somebody got access to your Gmail or your Facebook through that third-party plugin or application, they will still have access even if you change your main account password. You have to go in and revoke the access through your settings And of course, if you have an account on that third party platform as well, 
for example, I have a uh, account on TripIt and TripIt has access to my Gmail, then I would have to go into TripIt as well and change that password and change those security settings too. Yeah. Unfortunately, it can get rather confusing. But um, if you're scrupulous, like once a year or something like that, you can definitely keep track of what third party APIs are going on on your accounts. The idea is that if you've given access to that API, first of all, you don't want it to have your password. Uh, so it shouldn't changing yeah. your password shouldn't do anything to it because it shouldn't have your password. Exactly. Uh, and and they assume that you gave them access for a reason and they're trustworthy, which is why it doesn't change when you change your password. So be, be very careful when you give access to, to third parties to your stuff. That's right. <laughs> well, also be careful when you submit stories to our subreddit because we'll judge you. No, I'm just kidding. We actually want as many as you want to give us because it gives us a sense of what you want to know more about. Submit stories and vote on other stories already submitted at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. Also, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. I mean, what you mean, Sarah, is we judge you as worthy of our praise for participating in Correct. the subreddit. Correct. Yeah. The more, the more, the more you Unless participate, really, really the better you are. Yeah. All right, uh, let's check the mailbag. We've got some uh, judicious emails as well. Yeah, we really did. Um, Charles sent a uh, a book recommendation. Anybody wants to read a book? Good, good stuff. Charles has one. He says, "I've been reading a book by one of the great historical writers, Simon Winchester, entitled." perfectionists. It's a book that talks about how industry has grown to those who have been able to apply precision to products and make them better and more accessible or cheaper for all to be able to afford. The book touches briefly on the Luddites, but really looks at how industry has grown and eaten others due to applying precision. Think Ford versus Rolls-Royce and the development of modular manufacturing. Robotics is the next evolution in this development of technology, precision, and perfection. If you love history, read Winchester. He takes events in history and brings them forward in an incredible and interesting way. Hmm. That's really cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So the the book is entitled Perfectionists by mm-hmm. Simon Winchester. Excellent. Well, I feel like we we are, we're all perfectionists. We are. Right. We are. Uh, yeah. That's why we have so much self loathing. Rami, right then, I'm just talking about me. Uh, Rami said, recent story, Uber in talks to merge with Kareem in the Middle East, which is nice if it works as in the rest of the world. I live in Palestine, and a few months ago, Kareem tried launching the service in Ramallah, a major Palestinian city, but it was received badly by the Taxi Driver Association, who immediately protested to the Transportation Ministry, and the local police started suspending the driver's licenses of drivers caught using the Kareem service. The service was halted. A few days later, a couple of months later, the service was back in a different form. The only drivers who could use the Kareem app were the taxi drivers themselves. Instead of calling a private driver with a private car, now with Kareem, you call an official taxi. The taxi competition is so high that such services are not welcome. Maybe a scooter service is easier to enter and most probably easier to leave as on day one, all the scooters will disappear from the city, says Rami. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, this is an old story. We've seen Uber come into markets and fight the taxis, but usually Uber outlasts them or wears them down. So very interesting that in Ramallah, uh, the taxi drivers seem to have won the day, at least against Kareem, not against Uber. I I think that's pronounced Ramallah. Okay. It reminds uh, me a lot of um, uh, Vegas. <laughs> I 
Vegas and the taxi and Uber and Lyft and Vegas. Yeah. No, yeah, like the arguments between Uber and Lyft and and the taxi drivers and how they've basically like shunned Ubers and Lyfts to a point where you have to be picked up on a completely opposite side of a mile long casino instead of the normal place where the taxis do. Yeah, but in 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 Ramallah uh, if I'm saying it properly, uh, is it, it's, there's no, Kareem is yeah. like, nope, it, we're just for taxi drivers now. There's, there's, yeah. there's no other way to get it. You're kicked out completely. Yeah. All right. Let's check in with Len Peralta who has been illustrating the show. Len. Yeah. You know, I'm a big fan of mascots and, uh, I, I feel <laughs> that, uh, these, uh, bad actor third party apps should have a mascot and that's what this one is. It's the private sneaker who of course in this image Google and Facebook are uh, vouching for the private sneaker and giving them access to your home. So hey, this is a great idea. If you're cosplaying, you know, San Diego Comic-Con's coming up pretty soon. You can go as a private private sneaker. There you go. Oh, this, I love it. This is the fa- so This funny. is what everyone thinks is going on in mainstream world, is that Google and Facebook are these idiots who are like, I don't know, the Hamburglar wants into your house. That's cool, right? <laughs> I also feel like, and maybe it's just me, but I feel like there's so much of like, oh, there's a certain, you know, uh, an app that's uh, in private beta. It's like, you know, somebody who works at the company It's like, can you vouch for that other person that might want access? I hear that all the time. I am constantly being asked to vouch for somebody in order for them to get access to something and it's tech related, usually app stuff. And most of the time I'm like, yeah, of course, but what will happen to me if mm-hmm. something bad happens you know it's that third well, party actor you know I, I feel we need to add the private sneaker to our our host of of ca- crazy characters here yes <laughs> the private sneaker is a good one watch out for the private sneaker folks be careful <laughs> thank that's you right. Len. this is awesome thank you you know, you know who isn't going to yes thank you len that's great you know who isn't going to uh be uh you know run afoul of the private sneaker is janet morse because she's the privacy <laughs> expert who's with us pretty much every Friday. Shannon, it's been great to hang out with you again. Let folks know where they can keep up with everything you've been doing lately. You too. And thank you so much, Sarah. You're always so kind. Um, you can go over to techthing, techthing.com, and that's where we just reviewed the Orbi outdoor satellite. And if you are watching the video, yes, we sprayed that thing down with a water hose and it still works. <laughs> so it's definitely an outdoor satellite for the Orbi, which was very cool. And uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was my Sailor Snubs YouTube uh, channel. It's youtube.com slash Sailor Snubs. I recently did a Sailor Moon collection tour so you can see like all of the different sailor moon items that i have and if you're even remotely interested in that anime i would love it if you subscribe this is just a little hobby of mine but i'm having so so much fun with it so thank you to everybody who's been watching it thank you to the patrons who support this show and make it possible at patreon.com slash dtns and if you enjoy the show and maybe you want to wear that enjoyment we got hoodies we've got baseball caps we even have baby onesies at dailytechnewsshow.com slash store if you have feedback for us you know what to do feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com we read everything we really appreciate your feedback. Keep it coming. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. If you can join us live, excellent. DailyTechNewsShow.com slash live for more information. Back on Monday with Lamar Wilson. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at FrogPants.com. The Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.